0: Two Guys One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside the Two Guys One Shaker Cup Podcast. It is 2020. It's fucking a new decade. A new decade. We uh this is cool. The Two Guys One Shaker Cup podcast has spanned two decades, Josh. Two decades. It's crazy. Yeah. is crazy. Mean, we're epic. I mean, we- like literally like two
1: decades, two years, 30 plus episodes. We're we're make it some milestones here.
0: We really are. We really are. And before we run, I gotta say this. Before we run in the air, this is a, this is a tidbit I learned about Josh. He can fit in the small polos, smalls, mediums. Yeah, yeah. mediums.
1: Yeah. So if you ever look at me and you think, man, he it looks like he kind of has a little bit, like maybe like one percent muscle. It's all an illusion. It's because I wear the tightest mm-hmm. clothes possible to accentuate just that 0.1% muscle that
0: I do have. Correct. And a lot of the stuff that you put out there is video content. Your video editing skills are phenomenal. Yeah. That yeah, magnified. literally
1: anytime you ever see like a little bit of a like a, a vein pop in one of my videos, it's all CGI. It's yeah. not real. Yeah. I need not to learn. Real.
0: I need to learn that for this. I have year. a That's... pretty big
1: budget on that kind of stuff, so you know, I I got back pocket, I got Disney in my back pocket, Netflix. I got a bunch of money behind this. So, I like it. You know.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, we, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the vision board for 2020. I think I forgot to put that one on there. I need to learn how to do some of the CGI <laughs> stuff for this year. Um, talking about like spanning the decades and stuff, something that I think is interesting, and I come from the space, um, the CPG space, but within our world, dietary supplements, fitness, apparel, whatever it might be, is just like the aesthetics of a brand and how to separate your brand aesthetically from everybody else. Because Josh, you and I have seen or come across many brands who are aesthetically cool, but the products themselves might be garbage. Like, the products themselves are secondary. But they want to be cool. They want to stand out on shelf. They want to have a cool logo. They want to have a cool theme behind their website. And kind of what we want to talk about today is, like, really, I mean, in the, in the realm of sports nutrition and fitness, there are a ton of brands that come out, like, every week. And I'm still utterly shocked how many people don't put any thought or any time or effort into just, like, package design alone. Like, even, like, this is a total war if you're watching on YouTube. Like, it's simple, but it's effective and and obviously rightcon's doing something right, but I see a lot of trash graphics all the time, all the time, and then to me it's unexcusable, yeah, and at,
1: you know label or packaging design all those things i mean it's it's a lot subjective, um but there is a level of like it just looks like shit yeah. um and I don't care like what kind of design eye you have or not um you need to at least be looking at something from a, you know, a standpoint of this just looks like shit. We need to fix this. And I'm actually surprised as well because with the age now of just like Fiverr and like all these different like yeah. freelance services that you literally can find anybody that can do anything for you for a pretty manageable price Now it might not be, you know, world class designer or whatever, but it's going to look better than like the MS paint uh, <laughs> type of uh, labels that some of these guys aging put yourself. out. And, you know and and their argument is always well you know we put out a really good product we don't have the marketing dollars we don't have the margin we don't have all these types of things that is completely the wrong mentality yeah. in this today because there's so many great products there's so many great labels there's so many great attributes of, of everything so you have to be you know at least to a certain level to get a fresh look mm-hmm. from consumers. If not, there's just so many other substitutes out there.
0: Yeah. I will let people in on a huge secret in 2020. Like I have thought about, and we've talked about this before, like starting my own brand, starting my own supplement company before. I literally have a product package design and a prototype of a sports nutritional supplement uh, at my house for the brand that it, should I ever release one that I put that much thought process into something that's not even going to happen tomorrow but because it was so important that I had a really cool label, a cool concept, a cool package design. And sure, it just sits on my shelf, and I haven't shown anybody this, and I'm not going to anytime soon. But like, I look at it every day and be like, I'm proud of that. If I ever did come up with something, this is what it should look like. But I mean, th- so there's, there's, there's two folds here. There is... Um, Essentially, like we live in an Instagram world, but there is the the traditional brick and mortar store. Like, how do you stand out on shelf at a place like that? And then, obviously, what we know is like the Amazon effect, like the digital shelf. How do you stand out on a digital shelf? Uh, One thing was speaking of Amazon. If you ever looked up, like, say, turmeric on Amazon, right, like just a just a generic uh, ingredient, useful but generic, you'll see label designs that are very eerie similar to one another. Josh, what's that called when these labels are so similar? Like what are these contract manufacturers doing to people? Like they pretty much just say like it's like buying a house, right? Like you go in these neighborhoods like you have eight <laughs> designs, pick one. And within those designs you can change the colors. But that's yeah. exactly what that is.
1: Yeah, it's these services they add on to their white labeling where basically they say, "Hey, we can do all this stuff in-house for you." Now you're not going to have you know, the variety of, of hiring your own, um, designer, because they already kind of have the templates ready. But, uh, yeah, you can see the copycat syndrome happening on Amazon a lot, specifically around some of those very basic, uh, ingredients or sometimes even in the sports world, you could see them in some basic like fat burners or maybe a pump product or something mm-hmm. like that. You could start to see that there's a lot of ones that are that are pretty close to each other.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it, and, and that's why it's so easy to start a brand because you don't really have to have skills. You just have to go to one of these manufacturers that you see yeah. running an ad on Facebook and have enough money to run for, you know, 144 units or whatever it is that we talked about. But um, th- I think there is a difference. Like let's first talk about the difference between brick and mortar and digital. Like, is there a difference in the, the shopping experience for the consumer? And the answer, is yes, to an extent. Yeah. Um, so, like, for you, Josh, like, when you go into, like, we were just talking about Under Armour before we came on. Like, I, I, I don't love buying things online when it comes to clothes because, like, I actually like to feel the stuff and see if it fits, yeah. um, which is a different category. But, like, is there anything, like, within our category that you like to go into the store to look for?
1: Um, I mean, I go into the store a lot of times, mostly for like research purposes over just like the shopping experience. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see a lot of like the merchandising and how things are set up and, and different um, types of situations. That's probably more on like grocery or convenience stores or like the larger channels than it is going into like a mom and pop supplement store or uh, a lot of times even like a GNC or a vitamin shop. And a lot of times that's because things haven't changed all that much. Like I know what I'm gonna experience when I get in the door there. So it's it's not all that much different than I need to constantly go and check something else out. Um, And there's a stark difference between these kind of the specialty channel and like supplements and then like the more larger channels um, in terms of like what type of, um, appearance you need to, to kind of convey with your packaging or your mm-hmm. design. Um, so on brick and mortar side, I think there's a, a splinter as well, where you, if, if you're just a supplement brand and you're like, Hey, I just want to you know sell to small supplement shops, I'm going to be one of those types of brands. There's a certain way that you probably design the way your product looks and things for those. And then if you want to go into, you know, 7-eleven, or you want to go into whole foods or you want to go into, um, target or something like that. <coughs> That's a completely different um, type of thing, and even within the product categories, things have to be completely different. Because if you're in a cooler, now the lighting in the cooler looks differently than the lighting in the um, the rest of the store, and sometimes the sections in the beauty section maybe has different lighting. So there's all these kind of things that you have to start to like layer in, depending on the strategy in which you're trying to like attack the sales channels with. So there's tons, and I don't want obviously I don't want us to get into like the crazy specifics of like all these things, but I think it's important for entrepreneurs to think about that, like work Mm -hmm. backwards from some of these uh, goals and then figure out, okay, how do I have to set up my
0: labels to work best for like the sales strategy that that I'm kind of going after? Yeah. The best brands are able to create a single label that works well and plays well in both worlds. And we'll talk about our brand of the year and the brand of the year that you picked Ghost uh, for this year. Like um, we talk about them a lot, but that's because they they do really well in terms of aesthetically design work and YouTube. But if you take – say you pick up a thing of Ghost Legend in a GNC, right? You you can feel it. There, there's like yeah. – um, what, what's that? It's textured. It's textured. Texture, so right. for brick and mortar, like you can feel it. It looks cool like the red pops it works really well in brick and mortar but it also works really well in a digital store because it's just a cool label like it's it's yeah. uniquely designed it's different than it was different than anything that was out there until some of the copycats came into the world but i mean they created something that was uniquely different on both for both channels that worked really well i'm not saying you have to create a texture label to win in brick and mortar that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying like they did something unique for both channels essentially that worked really really well um, another example, like in 2019, we saw Spar Nutrition, you know, not to put these two together, but like Spar Nutrition did scratch and sniff labels for brick and mortar. That's cool. Like, that's yeah. really cool. It's unique. It's different. Like if you can literally scratch it, smell it, and then it engages your taste sense, you can understand like why somebody would buy it on a digital storefront. It's worthless. You know, it's, yeah. it's worthless at that point. It's cool to be like, oh my God, it's got scratch and sniff as, an, as a consumer, but for digitally it doesn 't work, so then they would have to design their labels to be attractive digitally, which I think they 've done a decent job yeah. of doing um, but those are some cool things like are there any brands that stand out to you within our space that you think tackle it ve- I mean besides the two I just mentioned like that tackle it really well like i mean I know you went to Redcon and like Redcon is, is i mean they kill it in both brick and mortar and online um, and their 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 labels are just synergistic across, which I think is great but like Are there any other brands that you've come across in the space, or whether maybe it's apparel brands, or fitness equipment, or whatever that that does really well in both channels?
1: You know, I think it comes down to um, how, I guess, complex some of these supplement companies want to get with their packaging. A lot of times it's an afterthought, mm-hmm. and, and we're talking a lot of times we're talking about the labels. Like they just go after maybe a digital print, uh, you know. So they don't have any textures, they don't have any layers, they don't have any, um, you know, different kind of special bells and whistles part right. of it. They're just thinking, hey, I want to go do a digital print. Um, that's going to be X uh, per per label. Um, it you know works well on my basic uh, black or white right. uh, bottle, plastic bottle. That's going to be round. That's going to look like everybody else's because. I don't want to put any thought towards that, or maybe I don't have a lot of the extra money to be able to put into some custom uh, molding or blow molding or, or or any of those types of things. And I think that that I look at uh, brands that do some of those unique things. Some of the they they don't treat it like an afterthought. They actually put some effort into it. Um, Ghost is a good example because not only do they put a, a lot of thought into the, the actual label, but their packaging is custom you know Dan mm-hmm. is always over in China yeah. uh, working with working with their packaging suppliers over there to work with the custom lids or the custom bodies that have a certain um, kind of gloss or, or sheen to them and, and another one we're talking about both of us uh, with uh, performix yeah. like they use mm-hmm. a custom bottle. Um, and they also have a, a kind of a, uh, cover that goes over top of it that you actually open. And this is the new stuff now. I don't know if, yeah. if people have tried the product before, obviously they had some different packaging, but today, um, they have packaging where you kind of have a pull tab and it's like an experience w- when you open it. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, those things stand out. Um, I don't necessarily know a lot of times what the value is to the full set of consumers. I think there's a lot of people that in, that enjoy that and they definitely uh, brings them back a little bit, but I don't necessarily think either one of those are a functionality based. There's right. not anything like functional to that point. I know that Ghost does have an element to um, their scoops that can fit into the the top of them, so you don't have to go digging. That is a functional thing that people will appreciate. Mm-hmm. But you don't see a lot of like super functional packaging like you do in different consumer packaged goods categories. You don't see these like um, different detergent bottles or things that like revolutionize the way that like it could sit on a shelf and you can just you know kind of use it with a with a cup or something like that that makes your life a little bit easier. For whatever reason that that level of packaging design has not hit the supplement industry yet at least to a point that you know we've noticed a ton of it
0: yeah and you mentioned performance, and i think it's interesting because you walk into a vitamin shop a gnc or any sort of brick and mortar supplement store everything is round the vitamin bottles yeah. the rtds the proteins everything is round and they came out and said we're gonna do square and it's different and it's actually honestly like i have a couple of bottles over there i think it's one of the coolest packages in the industry right now um so when you when you do the pull tab experience, and you pull it off like the actual unit itself is like one solid color, bright colors that stands yeah. out. I believe it's like rubberized texture too, and it's just which is another thing too, like feel. Like anything, you can, anytime you can engage the senses in package design or aesthetics, you're like you're winning. And like even this thing at Total War, I'm holding up here. This was a special limited edition. I ordered this from Redcon specifically because I like the colors. Like I'm not even gonna open this. I don't open it because like I'm a big Miami Vice guy, and uh, it had like the rubber textured lid on it. And, like, Black Market Labs is another example, of too. They have everything in matte black and soft touch lids. They are predominantly a brick-and-mortar brand. So they they design for that. But, like, a consumer picks up that product, and it feels prestigious and premium to them. So they feel, even before looking at the label, because most of the consumers, even if they turn it over, have no fucking clue what they're looking at, right? Like, they think, this is a prestigious pre-workout because it feels cool in my hands. It looks really nice. I will pay $49.99 for that. Whether it's worth it or not, like, they've already made their decision based on, The package—it's no different than shopping for a car. If a car looks cool, you'll pay more for it. It's it's just—it's kind of like—it's what we do. Um, But I think—I mean, the hardest part, really, in this world in 2020 now is like, how do you stand out on a digital shelf? Because a lot of it is going to be like, first, it's search. A lot of consumers are going to be direct searching for probably your brand or your product. Or say they type in pre-workout. Now you're one of 20 pre-workouts on page one. Like, how do you pop? color, right, like color design, they can't feel matte, they can't feel texture, so like in the digital world, it's interesting, because when I was at Mills, what we did is we had our traditional package design, say for a cereal box, right, that you'd go to Walmart, you'd walk down the aisle, and you'd see that that cereal box, but what we did for digital is we altered the image, and we made the predominantly like functional claims and the the information on that that was important we enlarged it and we took stuff off the box that was actually on the real box, we took it off. So for instance, if it had like 15 grams of protein, we made that bigger for the digital storefront so a consumer could see that without having to read the text because we're a visual-based purchasing system in this world, it seems like. Um, but then if it, you know, it had like, I don't know, something that was irrelevant to whatever it would be, we would take it off and we would just enlarge. Now we don't really see that in this space. Like what you see on a store shelf is what you're gonna get on a digital shelf. Which I'm interested to see if that would work. Like this one here that I'm showing on YouTube, if you guys are watching or listening via Spotify, like if it's important to you that a product has, say, 400 milligrams of caffeine, I'll just throw it out there, right? Like, and you can barely see it on the product, but if it's important, like for their digital render, should they enlarge that? Should they make those functional claims bigger? Should they make some of these brand ingredients that they're using bigger and more predominant? Because if they don't, that requires a user to click onto that image go into the product description, and then do this thing called reading, which doesn't happen very often. So like that concept that I use at a big Fortune 500 company has not happened here either. And I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily shocked, but like I feel like there's an opportunity for brands to be like, you know what, what you buy or what you get in the, in the mail doesn't necessarily have to be exactly what you see on a digital storefront.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen that specific one, which you're talking about. I know, and I'll talk just about like Amazon specifically, cause that's the biggest one mm-hmm. uh, for the longest time, like their hero image, it needed to be a completely white background yep. with your render. And that was basically it. But now they've kind of softened that a little bit because I think of the adoption over to mobile and the, the images being even smaller where they're allowing some maybe like flavor splashes or an icon, or maybe you've seen some that have like on the side, the right or the, or the left, they have like the servings and maybe the flavor or yep. whatever it is. You don't see a lot of like the functional attributes in there, but you all you're seeing like a little bit of extra pizzazz, I guess, on these um, these things. And that's not necessarily on the actual packaging. This is on the just the hero image, uh, but it's enough to attract somebody to get to go into the to the listing. And then at that point, it comes down to you know the written information, your product content, your images, your you know whatever it is that you have that's on there that can get somebody into your thing. Because I the great thing about Digital Shelf is that you have so much more real estate mm-hmm. to play with, to, to tell your brand story and the functionality of your products and all this kind of other stuff. But you still need to get somebody to initially click into that listing. And a lot of times that comes down to color, uh, boldness of the claims. Like you said, I, I, I had not really seen that in our industry but it makes a lot of sense if you're able to call something out that you know is going to be one of the first like purchase criteria of your product it's something to think about as long as it doesn't like change the dynamics of you know design elements and stuff like that and i think that that's you made a point about like with um you know ghost being well received on both sides they're labels are very bold in terms of like seeing ghost and they're very brand forward even though their products are are good as well but they're brand forward so you could see that ghost uh, regardless if it's a very small image on your phone or if it's on your desktop. Right.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, like, it's just interesting when you bring up Amazon. I That was one of my final things I did when I was at, at Mills was go through and, like, update the images on Amazon. Because Amazon essentially now has, like, the slideshow effect, right? You can have up to eight images, I think it is. You have your hero image, which at that point, when I did that a year ago, still needed to be the white background. Um, yeah, but then you could add, like, secondary images that call out some of these benefits. And so, like, I'm just looking at some of the ones that I did here. It's like, okay. I, I, I tell more of a story with the images that I did, and I don't see that in our space. Like, you go and you look up a pre-workout, typically you're going to see the product image, the render, and then the ingredients label. That's it. Like, that's all you see on Amazon. Is that enough? Yeah, it probably could be. But, like, I mean, there's a, you could show that image in use. I think you can even put video yeah. on Amazon now, too. Yeah, um, you, you know, yep. So, like, even, like, a brand like Performance, which is doing really great with some video stuff with what they're doing with their SST, like, that could be a place. That's You know, people give shit to bodybuilding.com all the time. You know this they still have like one of the best shopping experiences or at least landing pages for products that I've seen because like aesthetically, they're amazing. It tells the story, but it uses brand colors, brand images, like, and it's also readable text. So like Google search engine can read the text on top of these images. Like bodybuilding.com does a great job of that and it provides all the relevant information. But then in those images, when you scroll through like a product page, it calls out the big nutritional benefits or the, the, the functional benefits, right? It talks about the creatine or the protein or whatever it is that you're looking for. I don't think – like that's one way digitally really to separate yourself is not only like your image but then how do you display the content that explains what your product is in a a meaningful way that actually draws attention. And I think this space, we're so hesitant to spend money in places that don't necessarily directly go into, say, COGS or – into your pocketbook that we just forget about, right? And um, yeah. it, it, it's the brands I think that invest in those spots are the ones who are ultimately going to have longevity and are ultimately going to win. Yeah, and
1: I don't, and I don't want to obviously turn this podcast episode into like um, product content one hundred and one or we can you know, do anything like that, now. but yeah. but I think brands do need to understand for di- the digital shelf labeling is probably a smaller part of the of the bigger pie because you're having. Majority now of searches on search engines are non-branded search terms. So people are looking for pre-workout, or they're looking for female pre-workout, or whey protein powder. They're not looking for branded, you know, X or Y. They're they're looking for that actual just common search terms, and then that pulls up, you know, however your SEO is on your, um, you know, optimized for that search element, and then based around what that first image looks like somebody is going, you know, and there's, you know, also like the title and things like that, right. but like this, that image, like then they're going to at least click in. Now, when you click in, then you're at the point of, you want to try to get the most amount of conversions possible because the more conversion percentage you have, the better rank you're going to get on an Amazon and things like that as well. So there's these elements on this digital shelf that are much kind of bigger to think about even sometimes than the label. Um, so it goes back to like one of my original points of like, what is your actual sales strategy? What's mm-hmm. your channel strategy? Are you really gonna be a digital company and lean in digitally? Then maybe you're gonna look at the way you design things much differently than if, hey, I wanna be on Target Shelf, or hey, I wanna be on GNC, that's my goal. Then you might wanna look at things a little bit differently. Now there's a blending of all of that that you're works right. well if you're just a very great design brand, like a like a ghost, but um, a lot of times it comes down to sometimes like needing to lean in heavy on one side or the other.
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting, too, when you talk about label design, Since what we're talking about. It's like what you actually put on the label. What's important to be on the label? And I come from the world in which I, I love brand ingredients as a, as a consumer because I understand them. But I, I see some of these labels sometimes that will have like eight logos of brand ingredients on there or like six. And, and at the end of the day, I think to myself, that's a lot of real estate you just gave up. Yeah. for these brands. Now, unless it's a prerequisite from the brand ingredients, I don't know how that part, I don't think it is typically, but like, uh, you know, like... Sometimes it is, yeah. Sometimes I mean, it is, right? Like, right. you have to put the logo, logo on there. Okay. But if you don't have to, no offense to the brand ingredients, I love them, no one's buying a fucking product because you have the X brand ingredient in it, typically. Like, no one's buying a pre-workout because Compound Solutions Dynamine is in there. I love Dynamine. I love Tia I don't know many consumers are going to actually seek out a product that contains them because they just don't know. So to give up a... You know, uh, uh, I don't know, quarter of an inch, half inch by half inch spot on your label design for that logo. Like, it might look better just to keep it clean, or to call out like three hundred milligrams of caffeine, or something that might entice a consumer more to purchase that. Uh What's your take on this? You can sell it all the time, like to brand the ingredients or not to be brand the ingredients on the actual label if you don't have to.
1: I always say that like products are starting to look like NASCARs. Yeah. There are so many badges on these like things that like it's these little like stickers that are all on the NASCARs. Um, and it's confusing to customers. Like it's to the point where like, there's a fatigue with customers are like, what does this mean? Because there's not only like the branded ingredient logos on there, but you have brands that are just kind of creating a bunch of their own badges. Like, you know, keto approved or, Mm -hmm. um, all natural or like things that like really have like no meaning. Um, but they put these little badges in there to, uh, look, you know, I guess it's like a marketing thing Right. they think that consumers are like, Oh my God. Like they don't know the difference between like project verified, uh, non GMO. Like that's like a real organization over like these fake badges that they're creating. I, you know, I don't really know like what the ideology, like what's the thought pattern on some of these, uh, brands, why they do that. But I've noticed this over the last couple of years that like the if you turn it around, these bottles on the back, you see so many different little badges and logos and things. And for even somebody like myself, you see a branded ingredient, but what does that actually mean? Like a lot of times these branded ingredients are not necessarily ingredients that a common consumer would even know really what they are or there's exactly. some kind of, you know, so it comes down to then the, is the consumer going to go and do extra research or is it just, Oh, I see a branded ingredient and, um, that's it. That's, it must be quality. It must be great. And I think that a lot of times that's what brands are leaning on. They just think there's a default where consumers are just saying, Oh shit, they have, you know, these ingredients. Oh, I got to buy It must be a good product mm-hmm. regardless of them actually knowing what the hell any of those things are. Because, Going back to like a, a previous episode, we talked about like third party certifications and how bad they do at telling their story. Branded ingredient companies don't do a good job at telling their story either. Like they just they do a decent job. They're mostly like, again, science, they're like, oh, we have all these studies. Can a common person actually read a study and understand what the hell it means yeah. or decipher if it's actually good or a bad study based around some inefficiencies of the study? No, it's like when I read a bunch of like financial statements and then I, I give it to somebody that has no idea, like they're they're not going to be able to understand it the way that I do. So it's it, it comes back to this like full crazy circle of like uh, I don't know if it's like tricks, but it's just like ways like brands uh, will lean in on something in hopes that, uh, a consumer is not going to go through all these kind of steps to learn about it.
0: Yeah, and even if they do read a study, they're going to read the abstract only and take it away from what they see. But they actually won't go into the methodology of the study and actually what happened. Like, was it an in vitro study? Yada, yada, yada. So, like uh, – and not to mention, like, brands are now going out and trademarking ingredients – a marketing <laughs> trademark, which then comes off as a brand ingredient. And then they put the fucking thing on the bottle. So it's like yeah. uh, it's like you're just,
1: licensing a license. Like I don't like it's one of these things where like you're asking to use a, a branded ingredient, but you want to create your own. I will and tell you you're seeing that. And you're seeing also just like contract manufacturers like kind of just take <laughs> a certain purity of a certain ingredient that they have access to and then branding it, even though it's really like a common product that you could find out and sourced other places. hundred
0: percent. I mean you look at um, I think I, I think you correct me if I'm wrong, but like your brand of the year was like one and two was Ghost Redcon in that right, yeah. right? And so was ours. Um, they don't to I mean tip and Ghost uses it a little bit more in terms of brand ingredients, but like you will not find a brand ingredient logo on their containers. You will not like I'm trying to think at ghost right now going through some ghost stuff. I don't think I I, I can remember one. If it is it's very small. Um, but um, the only thing, like like I said, the only branded or any sort of third party external things which are relevant in our space would be a like a licensed flavor, like Ghost does, throwing Sour Patch Kids on there. That's meaningful. I think that entices somebody to actually purchase. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. If it's a Joshua Shaw approved or Fitness Informant approved supplement. That's it. Those three logos are the only three that That's matter it. at this point. Um, NSF matters. But like, yeah, it's just it's crazy to me how many people like put a ton of real estate into that. When your real estate on your, your product label, on your website, any place in which you have stuff, it is valuable real estate and you should leverage that to sell your product. Not necessarily like, like a lot of these like formulators just like try to toot their own horn. Like, look at all these branding greens I just used. Yeah, it's impressive but the consumer doesn't give a shit. So like, get the consumer to buy the product. Um, it 's I want to wrap up the show in like the next five minutes, talking about like delivery mechanisms because we talked about that you like you go in the CPG or foods and you see these different package designs like bags and you see different cartons and uh, in our space, it is primarily these these tubs like that 's yeah. it, and a lot of it has cost um, you know but I mean I, you and I both know the margins in this space like there's some pretty good yeah. margins on some of these products. Yeah. We, we could do some really cool stuff, but we haven 't do you think it's because like? It's just the standard, it's the norm, and it works, and we just don't need to. Or, or are people just scared to be adventurous to try something new? I think it's laziness a lot of times. It's also just the complexity. Um, and this
1: is again not to, not to talk down about the entrepreneurs in the space, but a lot of times they default to the easiest thing because they don't have the background or maybe the know how of how to how to do it. So right. would they know to go and, and, and hire a design firm to create some custom packaging? And then how do they go and source that? And then is their contract manufacturer going to be able to handle those different packaging designs and, and things of that nature? I think all of those questions start to just jumble people's minds and they go, I give up. Like I'd rather just default to the easiest thing. So you're not really seeing a lot of that. Um, what you are starting to see, and I think you're going to see more of is that people are utilizing more like the pouches, mm-hmm. um, or like single serve packets or things like that, because I think that that gets into a more convenience aspect to it where, yeah, you could create a protein bar, you could create an energy drink or you something that's, you know, single serve convenient nutrition, but there's also ready to mix powders that work well in in little single serves or, or things like that, where you could take what you're already doing, but applying it to like some of the new trends that are going to maybe work a little bit better. And, and those actually have a little bit more cost, but you have a con- consumer that's interested in in adding convenience to their lives and they're willing to pay up a little bit extra just like think about a protein bar cost you three bucks a serving or whatever but you could get the same amount of protein for whatever it is like a buck or you know 75 cents or something Mm -hmm. like that but it's a matter of you you'd have to then put it in a baggie you need to bring a shaker you need to find water you need to do all these types of things and i think that is why a consumer buys protein bars because it's portable and it's convenient and it's easy. Uh, but there's things you could do from a packaging standpoint on traditional products
0: uh, to lean in on that side. Yeah, and, and, and that's one way to stand out both in brick and mortar and on a digital shelf too, like being in a, a pre-workout in a pouch. Not saying I want that, but like that would look different when you're scrolling through Amazon, that would look different when you're scrolling through bodybuilding.com like on the screen. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe, there's a, maybe there's a sustainability play there too, less plastic or whatever. I mean, you, yeah. you, I mean, whether or not you care about that, like that's something you could also tout and you'd also have the same amount of real estate. Like I think of, I don't know if you ever heard of the brand Vade Nutrition. They were on Shark Tank and they had worked with me right when they, before they even got on Shark Tank, but it was single serve protein that had basically like a, a vegetable based wrap around it. So it dissolved. And so you put it in – you had these little pellets or whatever, and you threw them in there. It dissolved. It was good protein. Like that delivery mechanism was so different, and it came in a pouch. It was unique. you know For me, it's like – for me, when I, when I traveled, I loved it. Like I took them with me when I traveled, and I was like, this is great. I don't have to like take scoops out in baggies anymore. Like it was yeah. a cool concept, a little bit different. Is it, is it good for somebody who's consuming protein every single day at home? Well, you don't have to measure out your scoop out. You already have your predetermined scoop size. It's convenient, so I think it works. Um, and obviously, they got invested in it on Shark Tank, and I don't, not, not, I don't know how they're doing now. But like, those are just different delivery mechanisms that I've seen. But other outside of that, and uh, you know, there's there's a bunch of like you mentioned the single serve stuff. Like you buy a pouch and you get like a bunch of single serve pre workouts or nootropics and things of that nature. Um, but it, yeah, for for I mean, it's been pretty much stagnant. Like I mean, you look at you watch like um, Alex Ardenti's Subs movie and you look at some of the first subs that came out. It looks just like it does today. I mean, besides the label design, like, it's the same tub. Like, there was No Explode, and the No Explode tub still exists today in, you know, different variations. So I would challenge, like, I would like to see something in 2020 happen, like, something to come out that was a little bit different, just unique. Um, You know, and there there are brands, I think, that have the balls to do it, or at least have, like, that personality to do it in our space. I just don't know if we're going to see it. I haven't released this
1: video yet. And I guess like if we're doing back to the future type of thing, it might be out by the time this goes live, but uh, basically one of the trends of like 2020 that I'm talking about, and I honestly think I'm a little bit early on it for the space of sports nutrition is around sustainability around. I think that's where people are going to start to, look at packaging differently Mm -hmm. um, because consumers are going to start to ask those questions and say, like, what are your sustainability practices in certain elements? And and we're using plastics, we're using single serves, we're using things that um, are not maybe the uh, ways of of some of these other bigger uh, consumer packaged goods categories that are innovating to get to this more sustainable uh, footing um, Mm -hmm. because consumers are not only asking for it but they're willing to pay more for it. So then you ha- you don't really have to worry about oh do I have to give out a bunch of my margin maybe at the beginning cuz the project's going to cost you some money to like you know change over a bunch of your stuff but over time it's either you're going to get it back for the near term but then in the long term your, consumers are going to look at you and go you don't do this well I can't buy you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to it's not going to happen. And I think you're starting to see that I know a couple of the Trade shows I went to uh, more on the business to business side of the industry. You saw some different uh, companies come out with some different, um, you know, recyclable, compostable packaging, different things that are starting to finally get away from just these um, traditional plastic packaging that we're used to. So if it's anything is going to drive this, I think it's going to be consumers that are going to say we need, uh, more sustainable uh, packaging. We are going to support those by buying them. And then a a brand's going to go, well, I want a piece to that. I Mm. think I looked at a stat recently, like Nielsen said, I think 2022 or something they'll have, uh, it's going to be $150 billion in purchasing towards sustainable products in CPG. So it's, huge it's not like this is like a small like bleeding edge trend it just hasn't hit the sports nutrition industry yet so i I honestly think that that could drive some of the changes because right now there's really not a you know uh, some a driver that's actually telling brands to go oh maybe i need to make a change like maybe that is the change that that could happen i don't know
0: we've talked about this before but you look at gen z generation z uh born mid-90s so say 1995 to present A lot of those people probably aren't utilizing sports nutritional supplements yet. I mean, they're still, you know, they're in their maybe lower 20s or in their teens. um, But sustainability is super important to them. And so is like we talked about, you know, cause marketing. So, like, those are your purchasers coming through the funnel. They're going to be looking for sustainability in terms I mean, you think of the amount of plastic tubs that we, that I have in my house alone of (laughs) sports nutritional supplements. Yes, I recycle them. But, I mean, like... We're, we're ultimately what, what happens with that. So the the one issue that we have in our industry with some of the compostable packaging that's out there is like, <clears throat> like with with this pre worker I'm holding is like there needs to be a decent seal because you can't really let moisture in. But I think there's ways to combat that, and I think the smart people are going to figure that out. And yeah. I think you're I think you're right. I think we will see it in our space eventually. You, it probably might not be 2020 yet. Like you like you said, you you're probably ahead of the curve on this one. But it would be cool to see a brand come out with like. A fully compostable product line, like within sports yeah. nutrition, because like for for me and for we benefit. Like the for me benefit is this pre workout is going to help get you going in the gym, and for we it's going to help save the earth or save the planet. Yeah. Like not to be a tree hugger by any means, but like it's important. It really is because yeah. like we degrade the earth, like then it doesn't matter if you get to the gym or not. It just doesn't exist. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. So uh, yeah, I would challenge brands to do something cool and creative and innovative this year, and I would love to see. Like some compostable package design. I think that'd be cool. Like if you could somehow do a cardboard something or, you know, I look at like a brand like Arms Race Nutrition has a label on it that looks like uh, paper. Like is there a way you can actually make a? Make a package out of that. Like that would be cool. Yeah. Cool to see, and also I think it would be so uniquely different that people would be like, "I need to, I need to buy that." Like it, it's yeah. a, it's a way to stand out. So, um, two guys, one shaker cup. Facebook. You can check us out on our podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, watch via YouTube. Jay Shaw Consulting, Josh Shaw. Um, you have some exciting stuff coming on in 2020. I'm pretty stoked for you, my friend. I mean, you just shared <laughs> you shared something with me over the weekend that it's minor, but it's cool. Like, and yeah, we're
1: we're gonna make some minor changes. I think each year I try to build off of what I built the year before and i had a lot of momentum this year but i think 2020 is is kind of setting up to be a pretty pretty big one for me so i'm gonna try to uh you know do the best i can on my side to to set up set myself up for success
0: yeah i think you're gonna have a busy year a busy busy year so i like that all right until next time boys and girls behave yourselves and have a good 2020 We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.